Welcome to the St. Patrick Catholic Community Podcast in Scottsdale, Arizona. We are Christian Disciples in Mission. Hello, everyone. This is Father Eric Teus, the pastor of St. Patrick's Catholic Community in Scottsdale, Arizona. No doubt these are very unique times, but I want to remind you that you and I are part of the family called the Body of Christ, the people of God, the Church. And the Church for 2,000 years has experienced all types of turmoil, all types of challenges that come about, and it never ceased to be Church. And it never ceased to do what God wanted to do, to serve one another, to love Him, and to offer God through the sacrificial giving and also through the Mass. We're glad that you're joining us here today. We sent the uh, survey out on our email connection just in one day. We heard uh, on the first day over 500 people. And the number one response of asking what need they would like uh, to have us meet would be the videotaping of Sunday Mass. So we will be doing that as best we can in the, in the coming weeks, and hopefully soon we'll be all gathered together. So we're honored to do this. We want to thank you for again joining us, and today will be the fourth Sunday of the Lenten season. Please stand. And Paul, our gathering song. Sing with us. Even from home, open the eyes of my heart. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. To see you high and lifted up. Shining in the light of your glory, pour out your power and love as we sing holy, holy, holy. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord, open the eyes of my heart, I want to see you, I want to see you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Lord be with you. And with your spirit. My friends, this part of the Mass isn't just only to ask God for forgiveness, but also it's to praise God for the gift of His unlimited mercy. And so in times that you and I are experiencing of the unknown, filled with anxiety and worry and fear, We come also not just to ask God for things, but to praise Him for forgiveness, for providence, for caring for us, and for the ability to love others. Let us call to mind the times that we need the grace of God to help us in these moments. Together, I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned. In my thoughts and in my words, and what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault, therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and to you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us all to everlasting life. 
Amen. Amen. God, through whom your word reconciled the human race to yourself in a wonderful way, grant, we pray, that with prompt devotion and eager faith, your people may hasten toward the solemn celebrations to come. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. At this time, we now prepare ourselves to be attentive to God's word. A reading from the first book of Samuel. The Lord said to Samuel, fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem, for I have chosen my king from among his sons. As Jesse and his sons came to the sacrifice, Samuel looked at Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is here before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not judge from his appearance or from his lofty stature, because I have rejected him. Not as man sees does God see, because man sees the appearance, but the Lord looks into the heart. In the same way, Jesse presented seven sons before Samuel, but Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any one of these. Then Samuel asked Jesse, Are these all the sons you have? Jesse replied, There is still the youngest who is tending the sheep. Samuel said to Jesse, Send for him. We will not begin the sacrificial banquet until he arrives here. Jesse sent and had the young man brought to them. He was ready a youth handsome to behold and making a splendid appearance. The Lord said, There, anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel, with the horn of oil in hand, anointed David in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David. The word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. The Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I shall want. my shepherd, there is nothing I shall want. Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In verdant pastures he gives me repose, beside 
restful waters he leads me. He refreshes my soul. The Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I shall want. He guides me in right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk in the dark valley, I fear no with your rod and your staff that give me courage the Lord is my shepherd there is nothing I shall want only goodness and kindness follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord for years to come. The Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I shall want. The Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I shall want. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Ephesians. Brothers and sisters, you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light, for light produces every kind of goodness and righteousness and truth. Try to learn what is pleasing to the Lord Take no part in the fruitless works of darkness. Rather, expose them, for it is shameful even to mention the things done by them in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for everything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. The word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory Glory to to you, O Lord. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man born blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither he nor his parents sinned. It is so that the works of God might be made visible through him. We have to do the works of the one who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he said this, he spat on the ground, made clay with the saliva, and smeared the clay on his eyes, and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back able to see. 
His neighbors and those who had seen him earlier as a beggar said, Isn't this the one who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is. But others said, No, he just looks like him. He said, I am. And so they said to him, How were your eyes open? And he replied, The man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and told me, Go into Siloam and wash. So I went there and washed and was able to see. And they said to him, Where is he? He said, I don't know. They brought the one who was once blind to the Pharisees. Now Jesus had made clay and opened the eyes on a Sabbath. So then the Pharisees also asked him, how was he able to see? He said to them, he put clay on my eyes, and I washed, and now I can see. So some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, because he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a sinful man do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said to the blind man again, what do you have to say about him? since he opened your eyes. He said, he is a prophet. Now the Jews did not believe that he had been blind and gained his sight until they summoned the parents, one of them who had gained his sight. They asked him, is this your son who you say was born blind? How does he now see? His parents answered and said, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. We do not know how he sees now, nor we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He's of age. He can speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone acknowledged him as the Christ, he would be expelled from the synagogue. For this reason, his parents said, he's of age, question him. So a second time they called the man who had been born blind and said to him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner, he replied. If he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know is that I was born blind and now I see. So they said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I, I told you already, and, and you did not listen. Why, why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? They ridiculed him and said, You're that man's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but we do not know where this one is from. The man answered and said to them, This is what is so amazing, that you do not know where he is from, Yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if one is devout and does his will, he listens to him. It is unheard of that anyone ever opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he would not be able to do anything. They answered and said to him, You were born blind, totally in sin, and you're trying to teach us? Then they threw him out. When Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, he found him. And he said, Do you believe 
in the Son of Man? He answered and said, Who is he, sir, that, that I might believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him. The one speaking with you is he. He said, I do believe, Lord, and worshiped him. Then Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment so that those who do not see might see and those who do see might become blind. Some of the Pharisees who were with him heard this and said to him, Surely we are not also blind, are we? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you are saying, We see, so your sin remains. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. It's interesting in the scriptures that in the ancient Mediterranean world, the emphasis isn't always on so much on the blind person physically seeing blind. Okay, good, I can start over again. I'll tell the joke instead. A rabbi and a priest walked into a bar. Huh? Okay, ready? Three, two, one. One of the most interesting things about the ancient Mediterranean world where Jesus lived is the emphasis wasn't so much on the physical healing of a blind person, but that on the same level is also people who are ignorant, who are failing to see or understand. In Luke's gospel, there is one account of an actual physical healing. Now, even though the term blind is used, a lot of times that's people not being able to see and understand who Jesus really is. And that's the form of a blindness that the scriptures talks about quite a bit. Being able to see and understand helps us then to be able to see and have our blindness removed. Boy, that's really what's happening in our world today because for so long, I really never had to see much. <laughs> now, because of stores, you know, uh, having to be a little more patient. Did you mess it up again? That's okay. We can do, them in, we can do this in piecemeal. Okay, because I'm going to start from that one part here instead of doing the whole thing. One of the things I'm realizing now about what our country and our world is going through right now is really how blind I've been about a lot of things. Going to the store now, we've got to take a little more time and items aren't available. And now what I'm noticing I'm doing this week is that I'm, I'm counting the amount of paper towels I use. How much shaving cream do I put on? Or what kind of food do I have for dinner? 
You know, I lived for so long of saying, I can go to the store anytime and get anything, and the shelves are full. So I would pour on extra food, or I'd use extra shaving cream, or I'd use a whole paper towel to be able to wipe down the counter and keep things clean. And now I'm a little more thoughtful. I said grace last night before meal, and I'm always thankful, but I'm busy. Thank you, God, because I know there's more tomorrow, because I just go to Safeway, and there it is. Show them the card, and I get food. And now, yesterday, for the first time, probably in a long time, I was really grateful that there's food, but also remembering not everyone has food around the world, and maybe even now in our own particular area. Boy, I was blind, because I lived in consumption, but there's plenty. And I could talk about poor people. I could talk about being, you know, more considerate and, and being more grateful. And yeah, I can talk about that. I think all of us can. But when it's put in a position that this is happening, we begin to have our eyes open. And we begin to see and understand differently if we're open to that. One of the most difficult things right now is for us is calling all people, including those in our country, to start making decisions and living for others. To know that there are consequences of not doing the loving thing. And the loving thing is what? Take care of your health. Not go out and live normally and be in denial. To know that there is a real concern that doctors and nurses and those in the medical field who are and first responders, all people on the front line are risking a lot. And for us then to say, it doesn't affect me, it doesn't bother me, or I'm in denial, or whatever we want to say, really hurts the body of Christ. Because we live in blindness. You and I are part of a culture that we live for the here and now. And we want instant results. We want instant news. We want instant information. We want this problem to be solved right now. Let's get with it. And we're not very patient people. And that's blindness. A blindness that says, I don't see anything around other than my needs, my dreams, my wants, and my desires. One of the things I mentioned last week in the homily is that we know that technology is used to cause great division. You can walk in, maybe especially to young people, but that includes everyone, where they're just texting, even sitting right there. We can see that people don't always eat meals together. We can also see that people aren't always connected. And yet technology might be the thing that keeps us in the family. So we don't see and understand why things are happening right now. But let me tell you what I'm noticing I'm seeing. First of all, I'm hearing from people, and I think it touches my own life, that people are either being forced or learning or relearning how to eat together as a family. Boy, that's going to be a challenge, huh? Everybody going off the way to practice and all, trying to make different meals, trying to go and probably never touching one another along the way in terms of gathering for meals. I think that might force us to learn how to be community again at table. Another thing is that I'm seeing families taking walks together now in a joyful way, even though this is a real stressful time and full of anxiety. I had the, the blessing, because I'm going to call it a blessing. For some people, it's not. I grew up in a small town. I grew up in a number of small towns in Arizona. And we lived differently. You know, we didn't have a lot of money to go on vacations. We didn't have a lot of 
opportunities, but we never missed a meal. And we never, never lacked for housing and clothing and food and love. And yet, we learned to stay in the house with one another. We learned to eat meals together. We learned to care for one another. And part of the fruits is we're a family that still stays in church. Doesn't mean we don't have challenges or we don't have conflict or disagreement. It just simply means that we learn to slow down and we learn to appreciate. That's what I'm learning, and I hope that you're going to be open to that. The people who are in today's gospel who are blind, who do not see Christ even doing things in front of them, they think they see, but they don't. And even Jesus challenges them on it. So do you see and understand during what are going, we are going through in our country? Do you see the possibilities that God's teaching us? That God is with us? That out of it will be a greater good? I have to be honest with you. We're all going to struggle in different ways, so I don't mean any judgment or mocking people. But here's what some people are struggling in the church. And that's not everyone, thank goodness. They can't imagine church having to change. The structures that we're used to, the way we do mass, the way we operate has to be the same. And so the first thing is, how do we raise money? How do we keep this going? And those things can be important. But you know what's most important? People want to know that they're loved by God. Isn't that the first mission of church? And that just doesn't mean people who wear a collar or hierarchy or who happen to work in a church. It's every Christian to check on one another. To not hoard, but to share. And to help people come to see that God is with us and guiding us and teaching you things. Probably one of the biggest things we're going to learn in the future, no matter what happens, we're going to have to relearn how to be church. Anytime change coming, people are going to be kicking and screaming. Because they don't want to go down a path. We're comfortable with the way liturgy is done, how sacraments are done, how church is operating. And yet, if anyone has the courage to look at our history of the church, we've developed. We have to meet where the times are at. And so, church is alive. And even though many places the churches are empty now of the people, it's alive when you check on your neighbor, when you call on one another, when you share what you have. I'm almost done. I know. The force of my voice to the truth. Yeah, I get that. So the church is alive when you check on your neighbor, when you offer compassion and caring. You know, we need to do a lot of shepherding right now because there are a lot of people who are afraid, who are filled with anxiety. And let me tell you, probably rightly so. And we don't have to meet them with judgment or get over it or, you know, say nice, pious words that it'll all be fine. We've got to hold hands. And that requires a lot of patience but also a lot of love, something that the church does best, meaning you and me, the people of God. So what are we supposed to see and understand? We don't know yet. But begin to look. Families eating together. Technology being used to keep us close to one another. Families walking together. People checking in on one another. People 
probably forced to be home and maybe look at Scripture. Reflect. Look in God. We can't be blind. God is offering us in this moment our world and country's going through to see and understand. One of the things I talked about in my homily recently was when we approach God to pray in moments like this, our prayer really can't be, God, send us back to being normal. Send things back the way we were comfortable with and used to. That's not prayer. I don't think God really answers those kind of prayers. But God is saying, no matter what happens, I'm going to guide you through, and I will be with you. And so now, let us offer our prayers to the Lord, asking Him, to know that it isn't just about fixing our current problems, but to guide us and lead us to a new way of life. For Pope Francis and all church and world leaders, may they lead with a spirit of courage and consideration for the common good. around the world. May we wake from a slumber of selfishness to this time of need and use it as an opportunity to increase our dependence on God and actively provide for the needs of others. Lord, in your mercy, hear experiencing loneliness. May the light of faith shine brightly through the comfort and compassion of the broader community. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For healthcare workers, and first responders. May they be guarded from harm and revitalized in the Holy Spirit. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For those preparing to enter our Catholic faith, May they experience deep love for God and for others. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For all those affected by the coronavirus and for the sick of our community, Mara Harkins. And for those who have died, Jeanette Schultz, 
George Bonnert, John Francis Cavallo, Scott Dryle, everyone to be able to now add their own prayer those deep within their hearts Lord not only the petition spoken out loud, but all petitions deep within the hearts of people who are praying to you now. Answer our request always according to your compassionate way. We make this prayer through Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to the St. Patrick Catholic Community Homily Podcast. We are Christian Disciples in Mission, 